folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I like how you combine hello and welcome into one word. That's kind of impressive. Yeah, I always right. do that. Don't I always right, do go that? Ahead. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, I do. Okay, here we go. Hello, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout and Distance. Matthew Collard here, along with Will Reggett, who covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated. What is up, Will? Not a whole lot, just enjoying a nice uh, negative 25 wind chill on this Valentine's Day, staying inside, and uh, excited to talk some Vikings. It could be worse. You could be my dog, who I have to dress up in about 13 ridiculous different ways. We've got booties, we've got jackets. I have taken a mask and put it around her little muzzle thing to strap it around her nose so it does not get frostbitten, and that doesn't even count how much I have to do to go walk the dog, because for some reason, she refuses to do what she needs to do in the backyard and requires that I walk her. So I can't even just stay inside when it's 25 below wind chill. I still have to go outside yeah and the good news is we got like five more days of this and it's been non-stop but then it'll get back to like 30 degrees and we'll get to put the shorts and t-shirts on and go outside so <laughs> guarantee guarantee you'll see a dude jogging with no shirt on when it gets back up to 35 degrees absolute guarantee and then it's officially it, it wouldn't be minnesota if, if you didn't <laughs> see at least one of those one of those guys <laughs> Or a dude working on his car in his front yard with just no shirt on in January. Anyway, so uh, the reason I want to have you on is because you were tweeting a little bit about J.J. Watt. And, of course, I'm sure you know what I think of this idea of J.J. Watt and the Vikings, that it's ludicrous, that it's not going to happen, that there's no reason why J.J. Watt would want to become a Viking. But it did get the wheels turning a little bit, Will. I started thinking about all these ridiculous kind of things or unlikely things that end up in my mentions or in the rumor mills or on Reddit or in the comment section. And I thought, why don't we just talk about all of them? Like, let's just get it all out there. Let's talk about all the ridiculous things that probably won't happen, but what if they did? And we will just put aside Kirk Cousins' trade rumors for now because that has been exhausted by, I think, all of us. So let's start with J.J. Watt. Um, he is more likely to go to a team that he thinks is going to win the Super Bowl. And I know that's got a sting for Vikings fans to, to hear because you were the team for several years where you were like, hey, Sheldon Richardson, want to come play for an awesome defense, get a bunch of sacks, make some money? Come on over here, buddy. You could maybe win the Super Bowl. Hey, come on, Kirk Cousins, come here. We just went 13-3. and three. They're not really that team right now, and I think if you're J.J. Watt, 
that is probably how you view the Minnesota Vikings. Convince me of otherwise, Will. Is there any case that they could make that would even slightly interest J.J. Watt? Yeah, well, I'm kind of with you on the fact that it's very, very much a long shot. Uh, You point out, it was was a lot easier to sell that vision of come join a contender back in 2018 than it is now when they're coming off a 7-9 season and only made the playoffs once in the last three years with Kirk Cousins. So I don't think it's something that's going to happen. It was a situation where I was seeing that J.J. Watt had been released and the day of I wasn't going to write anything about it. And then I was searching for content because, you know, it's the week or two after the Super Bowl. And I was like, all right, I'll write about why J.J. Watt probably isn't coming to the Vikings. Same thing I did with Deshaun Watson because, you know, got to get those sweet, sweet clicks on the Internet. (laughs) And I started writing about J.J. Watt and I started like – writing a paragraph of like, all right, let me play devil's advocate and see why it maybe could happen. And I came up with a few reasons. I was like, all right, you know what? I'll just do like a full propaganda tweet and I'll tweet all these reasons and make like dumb Vikings fans, sorry, not dumb Vikings fans, but easily believing in things, Vikings fans. Exactly. Use those words. Passionate, exactly, yeah. (laughs) So I put all those in a tweet and then I knew that was going to get a bunch of likes and stuff on Twitter. But um, in my actual article I wrote, most of the time was spent talking about how, A, he's going to want to go to a contender. The Vikings aren't that. And, B, he probably still wants to make a good amount of money, which I don't think the Vikings are capable of giving him. Now, the salary cap's a myth, and if he wants to go to the Packers or the Packers want to sign him or the Bears or whatever, a team that's in a similar spot as the Vikings, it can you can make it work with, like, a long-term deal that backloads money or a bunch of signing bonus money or whatever the case may be. But I, I can't see – I think he's probably going to go like home state of Green Bay or go uh, go to Pittsburgh and play with his brothers. But getting off track, I will give you a few of the reasons that I came up with, which are the Vikings. Well, Minnesota is somewhat similar to Wisconsin, where he's from. It's the upper Midwest if he wants to return to some sort of area near his home. He is familiar with Gary Kubiak, who was his coach from 2011 to 2013 with the Texans, who he's very fond of. Gary Kubiak obviously just retired, but... I think it's not really a secret that he's still going to be involved in some unofficial capacity with the Vikings with his, his son as the offensive coordinator. Also, Rick Dennison and, and Brian Periani were on that Texan staff. He could play with Daniil Hunter, who I think would be the best defensive player he's ever played with, especially the defensive lineman, with all due respect to Mario Williams and uh, to Davion Clowney and people like that. But And Andre Patterson is a really good defensive line coach. Those were Those were the reasons I was able to come up with. With that said, I think it's very, very much a long shot. There are like 12 teams, 14 teams at least, that I would probably rank as having a better shot at landing J.J. Watt. The thing about the J.J. Watt conversation is I'm not even convinced if J.J. Watt wanted to come to Minnesota that it would be a good idea for the Vikings to sign him because he's spectacular. I mean, a great player, can dominate a game, can take over, and this team is empty in the cupboard for the defensive line outside of Daniil Hunter. And I've got to see some Michael Pierce when he comes back. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hasn't stepped on NFL field in a year and where he's going to be at, I guess we'll find out when it comes to uh, July. So for, I mean, uh, but we'll go forward saying they have two decent or great off uh, defensive linemen and then nothing else. So then, you know, you add a JJ Watt to that picture and he is really good and you're a lot more dangerous 
However, when you're talking about the price versus the risk you would be taking versus where you're kind of at when it comes to rebuilding this thing, you're talking about somebody who's 32 years old, who's going to be very expensive. This would be much more of a 2018 type of move than it is now. I I just think that that's what's going to come back to when we talk about a lot of these sort of really risky moves or should they sign this guy or that guy is – do you want to push the chips to the middle of the table for someone with an injury history and who is not the same player as he used to be for a five or six year span? I mean, he's got a case for the best defensive player in the entire NFL, but that is several years ago. This is a guy exactly the type of like Charles Woodson or Julius Peppers who tacks themselves onto the Packers at the very end of their career and maybe still has a little something left. Yeah, it's a good point. And I was actually surprised to see how many people were in my mentions on that tweet saying, no, we don't want J.J. Watt. And, like, on the surface, I'm like, what, you don't want J.J. Watt? Like, you don't want to at least consider – I mean, obviously, the tweet wasn't super serious, but I, I think when you do look at the the broader kind of context of it, I, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for the reasons you listed. I mean, I think the Vikings could almost – you could make the argument that they should be looking to add a bunch of – just capable players at different spots. Like let's get a capable left guard and a capable three tech and a capable replacement for Anthony Harris at safety and maybe a capable third receiver, things like that. Instead of kind of putting all the money into one player, especially a JJ Watt who from 2011 to 2015 unreal, like never had any issues three time defensive player of the year. But since then the only really great season he's had is 2018 when he stayed healthy. Other than that, it's been, missing time and not playing at 100%. So I think the upside is there, and, and some team, for sure, a bunch of teams are going to be pushing for him because they know what he can do when he's healthy. Uh, and it will be interesting to see what kind of price tag he eventually ends up getting, but it would be a big risk for a team that I'm not sure can afford to miss on something like that. Okay, let me shift gears now. I want to kind of ba- bounce back and forth between some crazy free agent stuff, some crazy draft stuff. And the crazy draft thing that comes to mind for me is something that Todd McShay said about Mac Jones. He said that he expects Mac Jones to go somewhere between, I think he said like 8 and 21, which is pretty wide. Or maybe he said 15 and 21, something like this. But whatever it was, it allowed the for the possibility for Mac Jones to be on the board when the Minnesota Vikings draft. So if we're talking about things that are unlikely, but is there a case for them? Let's talk about Mac Jones for a second. I think he's really interesting because he's got all those big numbers that Tua had at, uh, at Alabama. He's got the weapons that helped him go at, you know crazy. He goes down to the, soup, uh, the Senior Bowl and has a pretty good showing. And then all of a sudden, it's, okay, could he be the fifth quarterback that goes in the first round? If Mac Jones is sitting there on the board, four other quarterbacks have been taken, and you're the Vikings at 14, is there any argument – to select Mac Jones at that point? I think there's an argument. I don't think it's something they would consider, and I don't think it's something that fans would get very excited about because when you look at the top four quarterbacks, they all have that that element of, of something special that you're looking for in the NFL where they can get outside the pocket and make these ridiculous throws on the run and kind of create off schedule and do things like that. And I'm not saying Mac Jones can't do any of that. And he had a fantastic, like, Heisman-worthy season for Alabama this year. But I think when you look at him, his ceiling is probably something similar to Kirk Cousins. And maybe that's too lazy of a comparison. I haven't, like, admittedly fully studied Mac Jones's game. I, I've watched 
plenty of his games this year. But I think the better possibility there is if Mac Jones is on the board, I think Rick Spielman uses that as kind of dangles that as a way to move down. And maybe the Colts, I think, who are at 21 or something like that and want to move up ahead of the Patriots at 15 to get them. And I think you can kind of use that as a, a leverage piece there. But I don't think the Vikings taking a pocket passing quarterback at, at 14 w- would do a lot for that. Obviously, he would be a significantly better backup than Sean Mannion. And he may well have the ceiling to be better than Kirk Cousins. But I think, like, Kirk Cousins is, like, his 80th percentile outcome or something like that. Because Kirk Cousins, for all the rumors and stuff, is still pretty good and was has been pretty good the past two years outside of weirdly not showing up until, like, week five every year. But um, So I don't think there's really any possibility of that, especially with the Vikings in – in win-now mode with, with Zimmer and Spielman kind of feeling their seats get a little warm, I, I think they're going to want a player who can contribute right away. So I don't think they take a quarterback at all. I think if, if Lance or, or Fields or somebody like that were to fall, you, I'm, I would be kind of pounding the table for at least taking a look at that and making that argument. But with Mac Jones, I don't think there's as much of a case. So I'm not for this either because also, I mean, not just to mention that they're trying to win in 2021 and you have a head coach and general manager who are feeling the pressure and they they want to make moves to get contributors right away. But um, there's also just the fact that Mac Jones not being an athlete, uh, there was the picture that came out after the championship of his body and it kind of looked like me. And I thought, I'm not sure that, you know, NFL, even like Baker Mayfield is shredded. Right. I mean, and has, and has serious arm talent can really whip the ball down the field, um, can fire it. And I don't see that from Mac Jones either. And it's a good point that, uh, the ceiling probably is Kirk Cousins, and uh, Mike Renner made that same comparison, I think, on another PFF podcast that I was listening to, where he said, yeah, the ceiling is Kirk Cousins. But let me try anyway. So if the ceiling is Kirk Cousins, and we like a lot of other things about Mac Jones, his personality, his intelligence, his pocket presence is pretty good in college, and his accuracy is terrific. Uh, it's just that he doesn't have this big, strong arm. So uh, they already have this, but they have an expensive version of this. If you had a cheaper version of this, that would be great. Like two teams went to the Super Bowl in recent years with the same type of offense. And let's even make a different comparison of Mac Jones to Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff was in the Super Bowl because they were able to stack up his team. So if you could have Kirk Cousins for no money, then it would make a lot of sense. Now, of course, there's the Christian Ponder thing that comes to everybody's mind that, hey, yeah, well, he might be Kirk Cousins or he might be Christian Ponder. And if he's Christian Ponder, then you're really setting your franchise back. But you would have, and here's the benefit of this, you would have a year at least this year to figure out what you have of him in practice and in training camp and all those things. And then you could decide, do you want to trade Kirk Cousins before next off season? And then you plan on getting, you know, draft capital back for Kirk Cousins. No doubt we see from the other trades that are happening, you could get a lot back for Kirk Cousins if you wanted to move him. So if that became your long-term plan, and then if you think that Mac Jones is terrible, you just don't play Mac Jones and keep Kirk Cousins, right? It gives you kind of an option for where you might want to go in the future at the quarterback position. And then there's that other thing. You mentioned trading down. You remember that the Buffalo Bills traded out of the Patrick Mahomes pick. And imagine, like, 
okay, so Josh Allen works out. But if Josh Allen never worked out, never got them anywhere, how haunted their franchise would be. If you're the team that trades out for Mac Jones and then he surprises us because quarterbacking is random when it comes to who's going to make it and who's not, man, that would be like an all-time Vikings-y thing. Like, can you, can you take the risk of that happening if you're Rick Spielman? Yeah, that's a good point. I think the risk of Mac Jones like blowing up and becoming this world-beating perennial All-Pro QB is is low, but it's it's always possible. Like you said, the NFL is is pretty random and hard to predict. So yeah, I mean that would certainly be painful. I think you make a good point though with the the just the money point. I mean, I think a lot of people. You, I think you could make the argument that getting Mac Jones, say he's 70% of Kirk Cousins in year one or 60% of Kirk Cousins even, but for 10% of the price. Like, you can make the argument that that's a net positive for the Vikings. Uh, you can also make the argument that it isn't because of how important quarterback play is and how important even a, a slight difference in, in, in play there is. Uh, but allowing you to build up the offensive line and build up these other positions and makes actual splashes in free agency, which they're not going to be able to make this year uh, or really any year while they have Kirk Cousins, Mm -hmm. it would, it would absolutely allow you to fill out a better team. So I I think that's an interesting one. I don't think there's any real shot uh, of them drafting Mac Jones, but yeah, he's going to, all of those quarterbacks are going to be so fascinating to see how that plays out early in the draft and the trades and, and which maybe veteran QBs could be on the move on draft day and things like that. And Mac Jones is an interesting piece right in the middle of the first round there. Hey, everyone who listens to this show knows that I am an old school gamer. So if you're still playing the games from the 90s, trust me, you're going to want to check out the new gear from Soda Stick, football, hockey, and a Minnesota logo in the form of another famous video game logo. I'll just say that. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. Go to SodaStick.com to check out the old school gaming designs on shirts, hoodies, all their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota. That is SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Remember, we still have our giveaway going on with Soda Stick, a $50 gift card. All you need to do is, if you have not signed up for the Purple Insider newsletter yet, go to purpleinsider.substack.com, and you're automatically entered. And if you have already subscribed to Purple Insider, respond to any Purple Insider email just with the word video games. That's all you have to do, and you're entered to win a $50 gift card from Soda Stick. I will get to or find an idea that we both actually like that's sort of off the wall and aggressive, I promise you. But just the last thing on Mac Jones, if you're making this argument, if this is debate club and they issue you the you have to argue for Mac Jones, and that's what I'm doing right now, uh, I would say, look, I know you want to draft a defensive tackle. But there are other defensive tackles that you can find. You can sign one. You can draft one in the second round and develop him or something like that. Defensive ends, same thing. There's a lot of defensive ends in this draft. And, hey, you're supposed to have a great defensive line coach. Draft one, develop him. Or there's like eight pass rushers who are good in free agency. Go get them to fill your spots. There's cornerbacks in free agency. There's wide receivers in free agency. There's all sorts of stuff. You know what there's not is cheap ass franchise quarterbacks like so if you have any chance of getting one even if it's like a 
60-40 that he's not good, you might take the 40% just because of how important that is in comparison to a guard, which I say you can find a guard, but this franchise, you know, maybe struggles in that area. Not somehow. So, uh, but let me move on to the next point because I, I'm always intrigued too. And I, I would love to just hear from some people on Twitter who listen or whatever, just like what you think of some of these, because um, I think it's fun to kind of make arguments for stuff that maybe even you don't think is a great idea. Uh, so there's two guards who are real good, Joe Thune and Brandon Schurf. I'll learn how to say his name right someday. Some people say Sheriff. Some people say Scherf. I've always just said Scherf. I don't know. Scherf, Maybe that's wrong. Yeah. I think it is Scherf, but I've also heard Sheriff, and I okay. think it's just Scherf. Anyway, the dude from Washington who is amazing but also kind of old, and that's the problem with both of these guys who are great players, but – uh, Thune is 29. Scherf is 30. Do you think that putting all the eggs in the basket finally of a really good guard would make sense here, or is it going to be the Josh Klein route? I think from what it's going to be, it's going to be the latter. It's going to be like Josh Klein route, or I I just wrote about the uh, the Saints releasing Nick Easton who the old friend alert who yeah, really has not been very good. To. You have to write not, about them. He's not been very good recently, but not very good still makes you like eight times better than Dakota Dozier. So it does. Although he had a bunch he had a, several concussions last year, so I wonder if he goes the Josh Klein route literally and just does not play football. But yeah, I mean personally I would love to see Joe Thune or Brandon Scherf just because I'm so sick of watching terrible guards. It would be kind of just as someone who enjoys watching football and like enjoys watching the all 22, it would just be cool to see a guard just win their one-on-one matchups in pass protection and anchor against defensive tackles and still do cool things in their own game. And it, w- it would be very helpful for the offense, but I think from a positional value perspective with the money that they have, I don't know if it makes sense to kind of pour all your money. What they need is just, and I use this word before, is just competency at guard. Like, I think Ezra Cleveland can get there this year if he stays at guard. You just need somebody on the left side who is not actively terrible. And I don't think they have any of those on the roster. I still am, I'll always be a believer in Ole Udo, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> oh, great but, sentences from this podcast. Someone needs to start a Twitter of great sentences <laughs> from the Purple Insider podcast. I'll always be a believer in Ole Udo. Let it go. Hey, we were at training camp go. practices last year, and he was winning those one-on-ones. But, yeah, I, <laughs> the, I, don't, I will not pretend to know or act like I know more than the coaches. But, yeah, they just need someone who can hold up decently at guard, and you can get that player somewhere for, like, a million dollars or something. Like, you, it, you can get them on a minimum deal. The problem is the Vikings clearly over the last whatever sample size don't know how to do that. I mean, Josh Klein was a good pickup. He mm-hmm. he was fine in 2019. But find somebody like that, like just ideally somebody who then isn't gonna like retire after the season because of concussions and stuff. But like like find somebody like that, and then use some money on the defensive line and the secondary and wherever else. Like I would I would much rather see them make like three or four minor moves than go for a a Joe Thune or Brandon Scherf or even maybe a J.J. Watt, as fun as as that would be hypothetically. So with the uh, just side note, 
I need to someday do a podcast on all the players who the fan base gets convinced can play in training camp that really, probably not. Alexander Hollins last year was a thing. People lost their minds that Alexander Hollins didn't make it. It's like, guys, this is probably fine. I <laughs> lost my mind, too. I know, I know. We all do. I mean, I'm not, good. Yeah, I'm not even saying. In training camp, of course. Yeah. I'm not saying that any that fans are necessarily wrong. With Kyle Sloter, they were wrong, but like oh, yeah. not necessarily wrong to want Alexander Hollins fast deep threat over Chad Beebe, who you know caught 20 passes. Um, but it's just funny that look if Alexander Hollins is making a difference this season, then something has gone horribly wrong, right? I mean that's how it always goes. Same with Ole Udo. It's like if Ole Udo is in there, then you know it's not good. It's not good. So anyway, uh, Brandon Shirk. Uh, he's amazing. He's, yeah, he's really good. So I was pulling this up last year. Dakota Dozier allowed 40 quarterback pressures by himself for a guard in one, which, in one game, which is, here's the thing. That's what it felt like. Sometimes. I've, I've mentioned this before and people think it's because I used to do radio with Alex Boone that I've said like Alex Boone was way better of a signing than like anybody else because it didn't work out long-term. Alex Boone allowed like 16 pressures in 2016 and Dakota Dozier allowed 40. So, so like it was I think it was like 46. Yeah, maybe it was 46. Something like that. Uh, so um, I don't have that up because I'm looking at Brandon Shirk. But he has 40 in the last uh, three seasons. 2018, 19, and 20, 40 pressures allowed. And he's had all sorts of quarterbacks back there. The guy is a beast, and he's coming off his highest graded season of his career. And a season in which he was actually healthy, which has been somewhat of an issue for him. I know he's 30 years old, but there's never been a quarterback who more desperately needed the beasts at guard. And the other thing, too, is I look at Garrett Bradbury and his PFF grades, and they are just miserable. Uh, But I also think, could there be a worse situation than being stuck with guards that can't pass protect and a quarterback who doesn't move when you're getting pushed back into the pocket. I mean, I just can't think of a worse situation for someone who is undersized like Garrett Bradbury. It's like at some point, do you just say it's worth spending the money to get some monster to put next to our first-round guard and try to protect the interior because that's where Kirk Cousins is the most vulnerable. That's Yeah, that's actually an interesting point I hadn't thought of. Like the, the maximized Garrett Bradbury argument who – like obviously that first round pick is is now a sunk cost, but getting somebody like a Brandon Scherf and just yeah, Garrett Bradbury has not had two solid or above average guards next to him in either of his two NFL seasons, and I think that absolutely impacts his play. I, I think, irrespective of who's next to him, he has problems with his mm-hmm. size and just I don't know if he'll ever be able to to kind of anchor at a really high level, and that's more so on the Vikings for prioritizing a run-blocking center in the first round, which I saw, I think, PFF, I think it was Mike Renner, ranked as the Vikings' worst draft mistake in the last five years, which is hard to disagree with. But there's still, yeah, it's only been two seasons for Bradbury, and and it would be nice to see what he can do next to two good guards, and especially just one guy like a Brandon Scherf who is just a mauler. And then there'd be uh if, if you keep Riley Reef, they'd be forty percent of their way to the all Iowa offensive line <laughs> with Riley Reef and Brandon Sheriff. And then you just gotta get like James Daniels and I don't I don't know Tristan Wirfs, but 
that. They wish, yeah, in their yeah, in, exactly. in their dreams they do. But yeah, you, a good point to use the word sunk cost on Garrett Bradbury because um, Garrett Bradbury is not going to not be a first round sunk cost, if that makes sense. Like he was a first round pick. But that doesn't mean that he's just like magically going to be able to handle these things because there's a part of you that would say, well, you spent a first round pick. He should make other people better. That doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So now you have to work with what you have. He's just another player at this point. It doesn't matter where he was drafted. It's what you have. And he is cheap. So how can you work around that if you have someone who's cheap at center? So can you fill in uh, at his right and left? And not only has it just been, well, not above average or not helpful, it's been literally the worst guard in the league two years in a row. Pat Elfline and then Dakota Dozier. You're right, I called it up. 46 pressures allowed last year for Dozier and six sacks. Brandon Scherf, five sacks in the last three years allowed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like this guy's on a completely other planet from Dakota Dozier. They and don't really, they don't even like play the same position. It seems like they just do completely different things. Right. So I think the impact in terms of like wins or points or whatever value would be higher than you would ever expect for a guard, just because of where you're coming from to where you're going and who your quarterback is. Uh, let me uh, just bounce back to the wide receiver because I do, I do think there's a lot of Vikings fans going, please get a guard. Uh, so I, I actually do th- just to put a bow on that. I do like that idea. I do like the idea of finally just taking a shot and and spending whatever it takes and making the money elsewhere, however you want to, because I think guard is actually more important than tackle with this quarter. Okay, so I was I was going to ask you a question. Would you be on board with then cutting Riley Reef to free up the money for a big time guard? I would, yes. And then, and think, then you move, you move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle, and then you need another guard. Is the issue? I think so th- there's kind of some dominoes on the O line there. Tell me if I'm nuts. What about playing Rashad Hill in that spot, who has been fine? Uh, because I do think that Kirk Cousins does not have a huge problem with guys coming off the edge because you could just push them by him. You know he's not going to drop any deeper than he's supposed to. So they could kind of survive. Tackles can survive. But guards cannot because he doesn't move away from that pressure. And if if you were to tell me, okay, they bring back Rashad Hill on like a two-year deal for $10 bucks because he's been a swing tackle to give him his first chance. And he's improved a lot, by the way, since he first got here. And yeah. then you spend all that money on Brandon Scherf. I think you're a lot better with Ezra Cleveland developing and then Brian O'Neill being legitimately very good. Yeah, so so a, a Rashad Hill, Brandon Scherf, Bradbury, Cleveland. O'Neal. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I mean, Rashad Hill, I, you kind of have to be skeptical. Like there is, there's a reason why he's been a swing tackle, but at the same time, just the fact that he hasn't gotten a chance to start doesn't inherently mean he's terrible. Like we've seen him get out there for what, like, five starts or something over the, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, and it seems like every time he, he's pretty solid and he's kind of one of those guys who can pass protect. And the, the issue is you're maybe sacrificing a little bit on some of those pulls in the run mm-hmm. game or whatever. But when you have Dalvin cook, like it, it's fine. You don't necessarily need all five of your offensive linemen to be like former tight ends out there. Like Dalvin right. cook can, can still make things happen and you probably shouldn't even be running as much as you are anyway. So I, I'm on board with that. I, I think that could be that could be a good a good trade off right there. 
Hey everyone, want to remind you that if your business is in need of transportation of perishable, non-perishable, or fragile freight, and you want someone who has a 99% delivery rate and is trusted by Fortune 500 companies, then you want to give Scout Logistics a call. If you've been hearing about Scout Logistics here on the Purple Insider Podcast and wondering how you can connect with them to learn more, or even if you work for a business with shipping needs and want to kick it upstairs to the decision makers, Scout Logistics is just a phone call away at 855-217-2688, extension 232, or at scoutlogistics.com. Let's be honest, you do not want to mess around with transporting goods. You want the most reliable and the ones who go the extra mile. That's Scout Logistics. Plus, hey, they support this podcast, support the people who support us. So if you have shipping needs, check out Scout Logistics today. So 2017, he played 737 snaps for them and allowed two sacks. Rashad Hill. Uh, Rashad Hill. Yeah. 2018, he struggled with the DeFilippo, we're going to leave our offensive line out to dry all the time and throw. In the last two years, he has over 70-grade pass blocking when he's been in there. I mean, by the numbers, this says if you can get that for really cheap, the difference between him and Riley Reef is probably not massive. It's not like a giant gulf between the two. It's probably pretty close, and the price is a giant gulf. So I'm into it. I'm, I'm into it. Um, let me throw another draft one at you, which okay. is uh, drafting the coolest and most funsies wide receiver that exists on the draft board at number 14. Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase drops, probably not. Devontae Smith, like who, whoever the most awesome wide receiver is at 14, you take them and you say, look, Kirk, if you can't get it done with these guys, then we're trading you. Just like that's the end of the conversation. You will be traded to somebody next year if we get you this amazing third wide receiver and it can't be done. Yeah, the funny thing about so many of these, funny funny or painful if you're a Vikings fan, is like a lot of them are, okay, would I do this? Yeah, I would consider it, and I think it, it would be super cool, whether you're talking about quarterback or receiver or whatever. And then you start to think, hey, would would the Vikings as currently constructed actually do this? Probably not. But even in the event, and I don't think any of those three make it to 14, um, just because there's going to be teams that, that talk themselves into all those guys. But, yeah, it, say one of them, and probably the most likely would be Jalen Waddell or, yeah. or maybe Devontae Smith is, is there – Sign me up. I'm interested. I mean, Adam Thielen's 30, 31. Like, he's not going to be – maybe maybe he transitions into a more of like a possession slot receiver. I don't think he's in danger of a massive drop-off over the next couple of years. But if they could do that – and then the thing is you would need to, once, once you do that, kind of transition into just a more modern offense and use 11 personnel and, and actually use all three of these guys – and have all three of them out there instead of being like, no, we have to have both Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin on the field at the same time. When, when neither one of those guys can run and get open like a receiver who runs a 4-4. Like, so I, that if, if you could convince me that they would actually be receptive to doing that and that Clint Kubiak wouldn't get the door slammed in his face if he went to Mike Zimmer's office to propose such an idea, um, then I'm all, I'm all on board for it. But – the reality is I think they keep the same system and the CJ Ham is out there and two tight ends are out there and I don't I don't think they prioritize 
that third receiver. And, and I would hope that they still at least address it so it's not Chad Beebe or B.C. Johnson. Like, I think a, a name I've seen a lot is, is Keelan Cole from the Jaguars mm-hmm. because of the, the Keenan McArdle uh, connection at, at receivers coach or, like, Chris Conley is the other Jaguars receiver. There's a bunch of, like, guys you could get out there to be be a solid third receiver, but not, none of them would be nearly as electric as any of those top three. And even, like, Rashad Bateman is awesome. Like, oh, right. He would be, yeah. If you trade back and get Rashad Bateman, like, I'm wearing, I'm wearing this Gophers pullover right now. Like, Rashad Bateman is, is I think, being even underrated because he's not one of those – He's not as flashy as those top three. I think he's going to be like he could he could be like a Justin Jefferson type guy who gets picked like twenty five and just has like twelve hundred yards if he's in the right circumstance. But getting getting uh, aside from the point, but yeah, I I'm interested. Are you interested? I'm of course I'm interested. I mean, yeah, I, this, knew, this, I knew you. This were. is like of all the things we've talked about, this is the best idea. And one reason I'll tell you why. One reason. The, since 2016, when Cordero Patterson had 52 catches, and a lot of those were short stuff, bubble screens, and Cordero, by the way, would have been great for what they needed in this offense or what they've been missing. But since 2016, number three wide receivers for the Vikings, 20 catches, 35 catches, both of those were Laquan Treadwell, 31 catches, and that was because Thielen got hurt for B.C. Johnson, and 20 last year for Chad Beebe. That's not the third receiving person. That's like the third wide receiver in terms of catches. That's terrible in terms of your production for players that normally gain 12 to 18 yards per catch. I mean, that's just Irv Smith next year is going to have so many responsibilities. There's only so much he can do unless you make him the Travis Kelsey of your offense. But I think there's only like one Travis Kelsey. Uh, So there's no real comparison there. You just hope that he gives you what he gave you last year, the occasional big catch, decent blocking, some yards after catch for some screens, like a role player in the offense. But if you're talking about somebody who could be a deep threat, an additional um, threat to opponents when it's third down and 11 or something, which they just don't have, this is really important. They were in the middle of the league last year in third down percentage you're going to need to be a lot better than that if you're going to have fewer three and outs and score more and get into that echelon of being teams that can really compete. And I also think that there's value, and I'll make a – here's a weird comparison. Weirdest comparison maybe ever made on this. Jalen Waddell compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll tell you why. Here's what Ryan – That is a weird comparison, but but go ahead. Here's what Ryan Fitzpatrick does for you when your team is tanking and you're trying to help another guy, you know, take the reins eventually. He helps you evaluate your players. If you put in Tua and he's way in over his head, then it's really hard to see, like, who else can play. Everyone will look bad when your quarterback is Josh Rosen, for example. So you put in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're like, okay, even though we went 5-11, and 11, I'm able to evaluate all these players going forward. If you have Jalen Waddell there, and let's say a competent guard, then you can really know what the peak of Kirk Cousins can be. That that you'll you'll have the exact answer because there's always been this, well, you know, yeah. they don't have that guy and they don't have this guy and they don't whatever. And you get to the end of his time here, are we going to go, I wonder if it could have been better, you know, right? Like you don't want that. And the, the other point is, and this goes away from the Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's just like you got to lean into what you're good at and they're not, really probably going to do that but that's always my biggest case lean into what you're good at take a bunch take the whole rest of the draft defensive players but if you get a difference maker to go along with this and and even 
I'll just, I don't mean to rant on this, but like when was Jared Goff at his best? When they had three awesome wide receivers, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks was healthy and Cooper Cup. That's when he was at his absolute best. So I think that that having that extra guy is just such a big difference maker that it's worth trying to fill those other spots with average to good players in free agency because you can't get a special playmaker in free agency unless you're spending oodles of money. Yeah, no, I like that 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 comparison of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jalen Waddle, and and yeah, there always have been things that the the biggest Kirk Cousins believers can point to and say, oh, he didn't have this. You can't really tell because what would he be able to do if he had this and it's kind of we're getting into weird comparison territory but cross-sport comparison kind of like the current Minnesota Timberwolves how everyone's like oh Ryan Saunders objectively the worst coach in the NBA by the way terrible mm-hmm. they're like oh but he hasn't had Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell at the same time oh now one of them's out oh we got to see everybody together when like no he can't coach it doesn't matter if he doesn't have everyone healthy that's not going to happen in the NBA but people are like you got to see him together before you can fire like it's ridiculous. Now, Ryan Saunders is not a good comparison for Kirk Cousins because he's not actively terrible, Kirk Cousins. But it's the same idea of like, all right, if if the Timberwolves play start playing some games with everybody on the roster healthy and they are still losing them, which I expect to happen, having watched every game this year, then then you gotta fire Ryan Saunders because there's no more excuses at that point. It's the same thing with Kirk Cousins. If you get if you get the the, the solid guard in place and there's no like blatant weak links on the offensive line and you get him a, another explosive weapon and you're still not winning 12 games or making a run in the playoffs, then then you know you're not winning the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. So I like that point. Now now we're just getting into into weird territory with these comparisons here, but I hope that I hope that one made sense. No, it does. In fact, I think there's a Carl Anthony Towns comp maybe for um, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that, where, might, that might be the better one, actually. Well, where it's like, uh, you know, oh, well, Carl, he's never had this. He's never had that. Jimmy Butler didn't like him, all these things. And, you know, you'd love to see him with D'Angelo Russell and some other competent teammates to where you could say, what really is the ceiling for this type of team? Because even when they had Jimmy Butler, Butler got hurt, they started to fall off, and then they didn't have as good a playoff position as maybe they could have, and they just lose to the Rockets in the first round. Jimmy's hurt. It, it you know, just didn't go well, and you didn't get a bigger sample with Jimmy Butler to see what he could do with another true star in the league. And so there's still even a little bit of that, like, eh, well, it's not really Carl's fault and that kind of thing. So um, it's it's always felt that way with Kirk Cousins and you know who else is like that too is Matt Stafford so now we'll really know yep. not that I yeah I, Matt, we're gonna see with, with Stafford this yeah. year we're, we're getting an exact example of this because if he can't get it done with Sean McVay and with all the pieces around him on the Rams and that defense then it's like okay maybe we were overhyping this guy and putting too much blame on the surroundings in Detroit when statistically he's hasn't been that guy recently so. right right yeah and I, and I think that if you look with a microscope you see that he has had some of those chances but people just never watch or care about Detroit and so they go yeah. like yeah well it must not be his fault they see that they see the highlights of him throwing sidearm 15 yards for a first down and they're like oh what if he did that all the time I I think Matthew Stafford could be quite good I'm not trying to disparage him but um yeah yeah, no, I, th- I think that it's a great situation for any quarterback. So if they win 10 games, like, well, they have one of the best coaches and defenses in the NFL. So anyway, uh, before we wrap up, give me one thing, since we've talked about how unlikely all these things are, 
Give me one thing that's aggressive for the Vikings, and it could be just anything, drafts, free agency, trades, whatever, aggressive for the Vikings this offseason that you do think could happen. Hmm. Okay, that's a good one. Um, well, the, the most recent player to come up in the Vikings rumor mill, and one that I don't know if this qualifies as your, with your aggressive standard, but it sounds like Geno Atkins with the Bengals is going to be a cap casualty, and I could see the Vikings going after him. And if you look at the, I mean, you look at the the resume, the eight-time Pro Bowler. That I think that would be considered aggressive. And uh, he's still gonna. He's, I think he's 32, or he's in that same low 30s age range, um, and he's gonna want a decent amount of money. But and he, he was hurt last year. But when he's healthy, like that guy is really, really good. And even at his age, I think he could still be really, really good. So I think with the familiarity there with Mike Zimmer, who he played for in early years in Cincinnati, and Paul Gunther was there too. And since you with Geno Atkins, I, I could see that being something that they would actually do, uh, especially because you know how you know how Mike Zimmer loves the the familiarity aspect and people that he, he knows. So that's not like earth shattering. I'm trying to think of one that's even more bold, but within reach. I think and, the uh, the most obvious one for that is anything involving a Daniil Hunter trade. Like it's totally yeah. possible. It's not super likely. But it sort of lands in the hey, if it's if it's twenty five seventy five, it's worth talking about. Yeah, yeah, the, that that would be up there. I I just can't see them moving up in the draft for anybody because the they don't have the second round pick, and they're not going to want to use more assets on. I think they trade down to try to get back into the second round, but this wouldn't be aggressive. It would just be funny to watch Vikings Twitter like light on fire, but imagine if they draft another cornerback in the first round, which I think is you have to kind of talk about because yeah, whether yeah. it's like if JC Horn falls or I don't know the cornerbacks well enough. I think they should draft Greg Newsom from Northwestern in the second round because he's awesome. But of course you do. Um but I, I like you've got Dantzler, you've got Gladney who wasn't great at all in his rookie year. I I don't I'm still I'm not obviously giving up on him. But you can't count on Mike Hughes with the injuries. You can't count on Chris Boyd or, or whoever. Like Dantzler is the one guy who can kind of pencil in for the next five years. But I could see Zimmer wanting wanting to take another shot there. I, that would just be – people would, would not be thrilled, I don't think, if they went cornerback instead of one of the, one of the lines. But if you look at – because now we get to do this. If you look at Tampa Bay – they just kept drafting and drafting and drafting defensive backs. It wasn't in the first round, but yeah. second, their second and third round the last couple of years is basically just all defensive backs. Yeah, they so, did so well with that, with like the Jamel Deans and Mike Edwards, just people like that. There are certain yeah. positions that I think just almost aren't worth it past the second round, and probably that's one of them, or past the third round maybe, and that's one of them. So it makes a lot of sense to to get those in the middle round, but if you have one of the best guys up there, yeah, that would be that would be fun to be in the draft room when Mike Zimmer, if Patrick Sertain is on the the draft board, he's like oh, or man. Caleb Farley, like, come on, guys, we, you know. And they just hired the the Alabama DBs coach, so the Patrick Sertain angle is an interesting one. It is the off season where we're connecting defensive back coaches to draft picks. That's what that's what we got to do. So, uh, no. well. Well, you're doing really fun work uh, at Sports Illustrated covering the Vikings, and I love that you're the guy who will be like, 
okay, Vikings Twitter is going kind of bat bleep about something. Like, let me put let me put some writing down on it. So I I love that you do that. that Got Joey, nothing else to do in go for it. negative thirty degree weather. So <laughs> that's, true. that's true. That's a good point. So um, really appreciate you coming on. Always have a good time with our little uh, skull searching segments. I kind of got away from that, um, but you know, it's time. It's time. Oh yeah, I think it's like seventy five days until the draft or something. Right? I'm going to start ramping it up, talking about third-round defensive ends and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once once you've watched the Senior Bowl, you're all in. And then, yeah. there's, you know, it's you're on the roller coaster going full speed. So thanks for your time, man. We will uh, do this again soon and have some more crazy speculation. All right. Let's do it. Thanks for having me.